We now have only three games remaining. We have 46 teams in the state that have six wins and have clinched a playoff berth, but the magic number is 210. Mitch, I'm not a math major, but are you ready to crunch some numbers? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's try and figure out where some of these teams are going to fall. Talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome into View from the West podcast, the podcast covering Illinois high school football on the western side of the state of Illinois. Of course, we're covering the Western Big Six, the Three Rivers, the Lincoln Trail, the Northwest Upstate Illini, and of course, the eight-man football from our area. I'm Greg Armstrong, your host, joined as always by the man, the Mitch, the legend, Mitch Stormer. <laughs> you like that? Okay. I thought of it. I thought of it this afternoon. I thought it was good. Yeah. Yeah, right, Mitch, I like that. How are we doing? Good. Uh, recovered from Friday, recovered from instant reacts. Um, so we're, we're still kind of processing everything that, that happened, I guess. Nothing too crazy, but uh, we get a little bit cleaner of a playoff picture here as we narrow down. Like you said, we have three games left. Uh, we have a lot of teams that are in a good position to get not only um, a sixth, you know, automatic win, but also a lot of teams that are going to be in a good position to get that fifth win. Uh, it's going to take some some work. I think there's a lot of action left here, maybe some upsets here and there, but uh, it, it's going to be a really, really exciting three weeks. Well, you know, we're down to the final third of the season here. The, the clock yeah. is ticking away on the regular season. Like you said, that sixth win, that all-important sixth win is hanging out there. Some teams have already got it. 46 teams around the state already have that sixth win. Now, from our area, Mitch, we have four teams that are left undefeated. Princeton, Lena Winslow, St. Bede, and then an eight-man football West Central. So what's really interesting in our area is that that number is going to go down no matter what after this week because Princeton mm -hmm. and St. Bede square off. So right. somebody's going to end next week with a loss, their first loss. But Mitch, we talked about before the, in, the, in the open there, the magic number is 210. Mm -hmm. And what we mean by that is if 46 teams have clinched their playoff berth, that means there are 210 remaining playoff berths left. So we're going to get into it. We're going to talk all about what our teams in our area have left, what they need to do, and kind of what their road looks like to get in. But Mitch, speaking of the teams who have clinched, let's kind of break it down by class and give us the yeah. rundown here of the numbers in each class that are at six wins so sitting at six and oh yeah pretty pretty even across uh across the classes with the exception of seven a so in one a two a and three a there are seven teams that are six and oh at the moment four a you've got six teams five a there's five six a there's six seven a it drops down a little bit when you're talking about uh some bigger schools that uh they might play each other they might be in the same conference only two teams in seven a enrollment are uh, are a six and zero, oh, and in eight a there are six teams, so that gets us to forty six. And as you mentioned, uh, there are two hundred and ten spots left up for grabs. Yep. And now, as a reminder, when we say you know seven teams in class one a, that's not guaranteeing anybody's slot in any certain class. That that's right. all dependent on who wins and who loses, and kind of where everything shakes out. The way right. the IHSA does things in football is. The lowest 32 are the class 1A, and then from there, they go 32 in each class. So depending on where your enrollment falls, things can always shift a little bit. It's usually some of the same teams that are on that border year in and year out, depending mm -hmm. on enrollment and kind of where things sit. One of the interesting teams, Mitch, that we've talked about is the Dupec has been a 3A playoff team the last few years. They're looking right at the border of 3A and 2A. Yeah, them going to 2A, we'll talk more about it in a little bit when we kind of get into what each team needs to do and their kind of playoff outlook. But it would be a big break, I think, for Dupec to wind up in 2A. Yeah, um, yeah we saw it last year where Dupec, as the NUIC champions, went into 3A and, and really just ran into a gauntlet of, of bigger teams. As you mentioned, they are right on the, on the edge. They, they meet the 2A enrollment uh, number on the number, I think it's 
298, 398, something like that. Might be the projected number, yeah, and they get yeah. it right there, so, yeah. So they're right there. So, yeah, they can fall on either side of that line. So it'll it'll be interesting. Obviously, there's, you know, it's nothing uh, that anybody can do. As you mentioned, it just comes down to how many qualifying teams there are uh, that will determine where they kind of fall in uh, in those classes. Yeah. Well, Mitch, you already mentioned it earlier uh, a few minutes ago, but we were both on the Instant Reacts podcast joined by NUICfootball.com's Kyle Campmeyer. So that was where we did a lot of the game breakdown and a lot of what happened in week six. If you want to go back and check that out, it's on our uh, either Podbean or anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can find that episode posted uh, early Saturday morning, I think, is when it ended up yeah. going up. We we recorded right. late Friday night, ended up being posted uh, sometime after midnight because that one becomes a late night. But I encourage you to go check that out. That'll kind of fill in the details of what you need to know about week six. And now we're going to kind of push ahead and look to week seven and maybe even Mitch, as we kind of break down each matchup and each team, we'll look a little bit at what each team has to do, what their path looks like in the next three games. Cause I think we're, we finally hit that home stretch. You know, now it's things are really becoming more clear as where teams sit and what they need to do to kind of make that next big push or that next big leap. So that's okay. kind of what we'll break down before we get into everything. I do want to take a minute to kind of plug our PayPal account. If you like what we're doing here, you want to support View from the West, it's really easy to do it. You could go directly to paypal.me slash viewfromwestpod. Again, paypal.me slash viewfromwestpod. If you don't memorize that, don't worry. We've pinned it up at the top of our Twitter account so you can find it right there. But we would love the support for the, you know, the work we put in, the coverage we give. If you want to help us out, you can head over to PayPal and do that. Well, Mitch, we start in the Western Big Six. The big game, the one that you were kind of keeping an eye on all night, I was kind of living vicariously through you to see what was going yeah. on. Sterling gets the thrilling win in overtime, 34-28. to 28. Tell me a little bit about this one. Yeah, uh, we, we talked about this on, on the Instant Reacts. This is probably a game of the year candidate that will circle back at the end of the year, but um, a, a game that... Again, as you said, we talked about going into it that we thought that this was two teams that would probably determine um, really who might win the Western Big Six. Um, Sterling comes away with the win, so now we're looking ahead to a Week 8 matchup against Moline. Um, but this, again, this was a great game. Each team alternated scores all the way through. No team had a two-score lead at any point. Uh, started to get interesting late. Sterling went up 28-21. Um, I think it was a Kale Ryan scramble that set it up. I don't think he scored. I think I, I missed. I, I said that wrong on the instant reacts. I thought he scored on a 46 yard scramble. I think that set up their score. Either okay. way. So they go up 28, 21 Quincy's Jarius Rice returns the ensuing kickoff to go 28, 28 with just under four to play. So this goes into overtime. Sterling ends up scoring first on a fourth and goal. Um, and then on Quincy's turn, they also had a chance on fourth and goal. It looked like Braden Little had an open receiver. I don't know if the receivers got tangled up a little bit or if that, that pass was maybe just a little too high, but they certainly had their chance. But uh, quite the exciting finish to a really, really good game. Yeah, for Quincy, Gregory Quince ends up with three touchdowns in this one. Mitch, I, I was high on Quincy coming into the season, and I think yeah. they've proven that. Despite the loss to Sterling in this one and the earlier season loss to Moline, I think in this one especially, you look at the talent they have on the field. They went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Sterling. You put this game next year, fast forward a year from now, I think this is a game that Quincy wins. I think they mm. have that experience. They have that kind of extra, you know, that extra step to get them over that, to get them over that hump. I think that they're just a little young this year, and yep. they're playing well. They're playing, they're talented. But I think by next year, that experience really pushes them over the edge. I think they win a game like this when it's close coming down to the wire. Either way, credit to them for really battling, staying in this one. I think they're going to be a tough out for somebody if they run into the right matchup in the playoffs. And for Sterling, this is a huge road win. If you want to win the Western Big Six, it's a tough one to go down to Quincy, regardless of what Quincy has on the field. I think just the road trip itself is challenging to come away with a win against a very talented football team. I think that's, yeah, it's feather in your cap. That's a big win, a big, big six win for Sterling. Yeah, like you said, winning on the road is such a good kind of team 
strengthener, I guess I would say. And they're going to need it because in that week eight matchup against Moline, they have to go to Moline. So, um, again, this is a good uh, indicator of where they are. They come out on top and uh, with with three games left. Um, Sterling is really looking good once again this year to uh, to finish out on top. Yeah. And one more note about Sterling. You know, I was thinking about it this week, Mitch, or this weekend after we talked about it in the Instant Reacts podcast. I think what impresses me about Sterling year in and year out is the players always, the Sterling team always seems to rise to the occasion, right? Like year in and year out, I go back to they were on the road at DeKalb trying to go 9-0 and in a regular season. I can't remember if it was 2017, 2016, one of those mm-hmm. seasons. And it came down to overtime, and they had to convert on a play like that. It just seems like when the moment arises, Sterling teams rise to the occasion and make that play, get that win. That's a credit to Coach Schlemmer and to that coaching staff. This team is always ready to go for the big moment. Yeah, I, I think that they're, they get that from being battle-tested, right? Um, you look at their only loss this year to Wheaton St. Francis, they're undefeated. And that's a really good, you know, uh, St. Francis team. So um, playing playing uh, Lake Villa Lakes at the beginning of the year, and then again, that one score loss to a really good St. Francis team has only set them up for, for a really good season. So um, again, we're looking forward to that week eight matchup. I think it will come down to that. Sterling's got Rock Island next week, or, or, or this week, I should say. Tough game, certainly not not a walk in the park, um, but a, but a winnable game for Sterling, I think, the way that they've been playing. Yeah, so they'll have uh, that test, and then obviously the big test in Moline coming in a couple weeks. And uh, you know, speaking of Rock Island, that's uh, Sterling's next opponent. They got the win on Friday night, thirty-four to fourteen over Galesburg. Mitch, the name we go to right away every week, it seems yeah. like for the Rocks, Quantarian Brooks, two hundred thirteen yards, one hundred eighty-four of those yards in the first half. Three yep. touchdowns. Rock Island's defense intercepted Tristan Legate three times. So with Rock Island now moving to four and two, they have Sterling, Geneseo, and Quincy left on the schedule. So some tough matchups. But this Rock Island team, Mitch, I think they're they're maybe playing better than what we expected. Yeah, cer- certainly better than you know the season started. Obviously, they they lost to Pekin, um, who's undefeated. Again, Pekin is a really good team. Um, and had that that tough loss to Moline in week four. But, yeah, we've seen them play pretty well, um, you know, this year. They had that shootout win against uh, – sorry, against UT. Um, yeah, I feel like I've kind of harked on the defense a little bit this year, maybe not since week one, but, uh, but they've played a lot better. So you're seeing the offense starting to click a little more. Uh, you're starting to see the defense. You know, Galesburg is, is a really good offense, and – Rock Island kept them in check. Like you said, intercepting them three times and keeping them to 14 points. So, um, but that's what you're going to have to do. You want to see your offense in rhythm. You want to have a strong defensive uh, effort to kind of, you know, backbone that. So with, with games against Sterling, Genesee and Quincy, three really, really good offenses um, that you're going to have to either stop or keep up with, which Rocky's able to do. They've shown that this season. Yep. Well, let's move right along to Geneseo. They get the win 47 and nothing over Alleman. Jerron Neal, 148 yards and three scores. A.J. Weller playing well, 250 all-purpose yards. So the Leafs are now 4-2 and two on the season as well. They have a tough stretch of Quincy, Rock Island, and Moline. Mm-hmm. So they're sitting at 4-2, and two, but I think the toughest part of their schedule is still right here ahead of them. Yeah, and again, a team that has been clicking recently. Um you know, this is obviously a nice win, win for Geneseo. Um, of course, they're, they're still coming off of that loss to Sterling two weeks ago. But um, again, getting a win like this, getting everything, uh, you know, whether they're working on technique, whether they're working on plays, whatever it may be, just getting everything right following that loss to Sterling and getting ready for this this gauntlet of, of final three games. They've got to win one. I feel like it is in there somewhere. Um, don't want to quite predict where that might be, but, um, I do foresee Geneseo getting this fifth win somewhere in those three weeks and being probably one of, what is it? Five teams in the West break six to that'll get a playoff bid. I think, I think we will get five out of this conference. That would be great. That'd be great for the conference rounding out the action on Friday night, in the Western big six Moline got the win 47 to 14 over United township. 
So big games from Riley Fuller and Grant Sibley. Moline now sits at 5-1. and one. So let's look at the Week 7 matchups in the Big 6. Rock Island at Sterling. Alleman at United Township. Galesburg against Moline. And Quincy goes on the road to Geneseo. So what's really interesting to me, Mitch, when you start looking at the Western Big Six, we just talked about all three teams separately, but you have Geneseo at four and two, you have Rock Island at four and two, and you have Quincy at four and two. Mm-hmm. And when you start looking at it, they all still have to play each other. Yeah. So I, I just, that is really fascinating, fascinating to me because who gets that all important win? It's those X factor type of games. And we got a lot of them coming up here in the Western mm-hmm. big six as the season winds down. Yeah. I think we're going to see some shifting here in the conference standings, at least. Um, again, I, I think, I think they'll get five, you know, uh, no less than four. I, I think a fifth is possible. Um, so yeah, anything can happen, right? I, I mean, we, we keep talking about this week eight matchup with Molina Sterling, but we don't know if that's going to really determine anything um, until, I guess, after this week's game. So, yeah, a lot of shifting that is potentially going to happen here in the Western Big Six. But, um, uh, again, a lot of teams, five of the five of the eight, in a good position to make one final splash and get that playoff, um, playoff qualifying fifth win. Yeah, I think the big one this week to me is Quincy going on the road to Geneseo. How can they bounce back yeah. after the emotional loss at home to a very good Sterling team with Geneseo obviously playing well? That's a tough road trip for them. But I also look at Rock Island at Sterling. Sterling mm-hmm. coming off that big win, but they have Moline next week. So right. don't get caught. Don't get caught being excited about the previous week. And then looking ahead to the ne- to the next big matchup, right. you can't get caught in the middle. This Rock Island team will score too often on you, and and you could find yourself down early without being able to come back. So, yeah, and I, I thought that that might have been a concern going into the Geneseo game, uh, and it certainly was not. No, for Sterling. No, so. it. Yeah, you're right. It was not yeah, there. So yeah, uh, yeah. Coach Lumber's got the guys ready to go. I think week in and week out, like you said, they always kind of step up. Um, just in, on a non playoff standpoint. Yep. I, I'm curious on all of them at UT, right? Two teams yep. that are struggling this year, an opportunity for both teams to get better. Um, uh, we've seen both teams play a lot better than they did last year. Records aren't, aren't necessarily going to indicate that, but, you know, um, looking forward to seeing if all of them can get that second win or if UT can get their first win. So um, while, while we're talking about, you know, playoffs and, and things, um, th- this game certainly matters to both of those schools. So uh, looking forward to seeing who comes out on top there. Yeah, and you know, last the last game we really haven't touched on a whole lot yet is kind of the same circumstances for Moline. Don't get caught looking ahead yeah. when you have to go on the road to Galesburg. You know, Galesburg doesn't have um, any wins in conference yet, but they've certainly you know been in a game against Geneseo a few weeks ago. So I think that you know there's potential there for an, for a sneaky upset, especially at home. Yeah. And uh, now, all that being said, against a very tough Moline team. I don't know if I see the upset, but I, I think Galesburg has potential to win a big six game here somewhere along the way. Yeah. Uh, again, kind of what you're saying earlier, you know, don't get caught. Yep. Looking ahead. So. Exactly. Exactly. Mitch, thank you for clarifying what I couldn't really say. Right. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the three rivers athletic conference. Yeah. Mitch, one of the teams that we talked about, one of our undefeated teams from the area, Princeton gets the win 36 to nothing over Sterling Newman. Mitch, I think we figured that this one would be, you know, kind of a blowout or kind of a mismatch again, just based on how strong Princeton is. Mm-hmm. And overall, just this year, week in and week out, we haven't quite seen the Newman offense that I think that we would would need to see to get a win over, like this over Princeton. So ultimately, right. this game kind of played out the way we thought it would. Princeton, I mean, not scoring, you know, the 50-some points they've normally been putting up. Right. But still a very solid effort. They get the they would get the job done from all the usual names that score for them. So they continue to roll along. They got a really big matchup this week. We'll talk about that one in a second. Spring Valley Hall gets the win 26 to 15 over Kiwani. Hall led this one 20 to nothing at the half. A late Kiwani push would keep it close, but Hall is now three and three with that shot at five wins. Last yeah. year they were one and eight. So I don't yeah. know. I don't know that we really saw this coming, but credit to this this Hall team 
And man, Macrosetich has really been doing a number. Of, he's been doing the work for him to get this job done. Right. Yeah, I think he had three more scores in this game. So he's approaching 20 touchdowns on the year if he's not already there. So, um, yeah, quick start, as you said, for, for the Red Devils. Kiwani made that late push. But, uh, yeah, again, resiliency from Hall that, we, that we've seen um, a lot more of this year than we did last year. So, uh, again, we'll talk about what they have left here in, in a little bit. But I do think that they can get to that five, and that would be quite the turnaround story from, from last year. Yep, it absolutely would be. Well, speaking of teams in search of that fifth win along the way, Monmouth Roseville gets the win over Orion 35-12. to So they're now sitting at technically 4-3 and on the season. They have a forfeit win coming against what would have been Riverdale next week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that really sets up a Week 8 matchup for them against Erie Prophetstown. But on yep. the flip side, we go down to Orion. They now are at 3-3. Three and three. They have Morrison next week. Sherrard and then Rock Ridge in week nine. Mm-hmm. So I think you start looking at, is there a win there against Morrison and Sherrard or, and, or one of those to mm-hmm. get you to four, but you almost need to win both of those to ensure right. that that game against Rock Ridge, isn't your, you know, your playoff hopes on the line, I would think. Right. Yeah. Um, certainly doable. Um, you know, I think Morrison has been playing well, but they also haven't, won every game that they've been in so if Orion can keep it close can they come out on top um the way Mendota did uh was it Mendota or Sherrard I guess I can't remember but it was Sherrard sorry um and same thing with with Sherrard a team that's played well not every week but they've shown they can play well so can Orion find the opportunities can they take advantage of of them to get that fifth win um uh, again it'll be tough slate doable sure Mm-hmm. Uh, but you don't want it to come down to that last game against Rock Ridge, not the way that they've been playing, which is well, which is what happened last year. The yep. game came down to both of those teams getting into the playoffs. So don't want to put yourself in that sort of uh, predicament again. Yep, that's exactly right. Well, speaking of Rock Ridge, let's get into that one. 36 to 22 winner over Morrison. Rock Ridge trailed this one 14 nothing early, but Rock Ridge does come away with the win. They now move to five and one. Mitch, I think the question becomes for me is can Rock Ridge run the table? You got Sherrard, mm-hmm. Kiwani, and Orion left. So I guess I'll put you on the hot seat. Can 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 Rockridge run the table here? I I think so. Yeah. Um. The the way that they've bounced back from that week one loss to Princeton. Um. Again, still still the toughest team to have played Princeton this year. The closest yep. game that they've had all year. That's not saying <laughs> you know nothing. Um. So yeah. Again, we've talked about um being resilient on the show a lot. This was a, a game against a tough Morrison team, right? Yeah. Um, and to, to be in a 14, nothing hole early on, um, you know, even if you weren't as good as Rockridge or sorry, even being as good as Rockridge is, that's a hard hole to, to climb out of. So yeah. Um, real, really nice win here for Rockridge. Um, and, and yeah, I, with, with what they have left again, no, no offense to anybody on the, on that list, but I do think Rockridge will, will enter in the playoffs at eight and one. Yeah, I think they certainly can go eight and one, but I do like you can't afford to go down 14 nothing again, I don't think, especially when you start talking about Orion or Kiwani. I just, yeah. I just don't think you can afford. Now, keep in mind, both those games will be at home for Rockridge, which mm-hmm. helps, but I still think you gotta, you gotta get, get a faster start maybe and make sure that you, you know, play with some confidence right from the get go. But either way, yeah, I think the potential is there for them. Mendota gets the win. Last week, 49-35 to 35 over Sherrard. So, Mendota's now 3-3. Three and three. They look ahead with Kiwani and Newman left on their schedule. Trying mm-hmm. to think of who their other game is. I'd have to look real quick here. Let's go find who Mendota plays down the road. See, but either it was, way. It was a lot easier when this was one division. You know what I mean? It? It, it, was, it was so much easier when it was just one division. Now we've we got to bounce back and forth. Here we go. I got flipped to the other side of the division now. Here we go. See, Mendota's yeah. got Kiwani, Newman, and St. Bede left. Okay. St. Bede in, in week nine, is that's going to be a tough one. We'll talk about the Bruins in a minute. But yeah, I think there's potential here for five wins. Yeah, the way, if you, if you bounce back to last week for Mendota, uh, I believe they lost that game to Hall, but they still put up like a thousand points. Um, <laughs> so the way that that offense is is going, 
Um, again, it's hard to keep up with them. Defense is shaky, right? You can score on Mendota, but um, they've put up uh, 49 or sorry, 45 plus points three times so far this year. So, yep. you know, um, again, they, they've let up quite a bit. They probably, I don't want to say lead the conference, but um, probably have given up the most points in conference play. But Again, that offense is, is pretty hard to stop. So I do think that they they can have wins here and get to the playoffs for, for the second straight year. Yes. So they have given up the most points on their side of the division. Not to not to bag on their defense, but no, then, you, know, you brought it up. That's the stat. Um, it's out there. They've, they've scored they've scored the second most in the in the division behind Princeton. So. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Great point. So I think the interesting one becomes if you don't Kiwani becomes a really important game. Because the Newman game is at is at Sterling, so I think you'd go going on the road to Newman. Yeah, that's a tough that's a tough task in Week mm-hmm. Eight. But um, I don't think, like you said, I don't think any of these games are impossible for them. So they have an interesting road if they continue to play well. I think there's wins there. Mitch, let's talk about it. Speaking of teams playing well, Peru St. Bede 31 over Bureau Valley 20. The Bruins are now six and zero for the first time since 1986. Mitch, Ooh. what were you doing in 1986? I was not born yet. There you go. So, you weren't doing uh, anything yet. Yeah, that's <laughs> and again, I, I think I saw. I think when it was last week when they were five, and it was the first time since '97, and that yeah and that surprised me too because um, when I played St. B, they were they were a good team. They were a playoff team in, in my high school years. So um, yeah, really great run here uh, for the Bruins. Really excited to see this matchup with Princeton um, again. We're talking about. A three eighteen versus a one eight, you know, one eighteen. We typically see how those games fold. Um, whether, however, that game goes, it's going to be a really good experience for St. Beat. I do think they'll probably go into the one eight playoffs at eight and one. Yeah. Um, and, and they'll have a pretty good standing there. And again, this this game this week, if they do fall, I'm, I'm putting the if on there. If they do fall, it'll be a great experience for them because that one eight playoff bracket is going to be such a gauntlet. Yeah. So, Mitch, I want to talk a little bit more about St. Beat because. Okay. I think it's interesting to look at, yes, they have a great record at 6-0, and but they're going to be in the 1A playoffs, mm-hmm. and yet the majority of the teams they've played are 2A or bigger, 2A, 3A, mm-hmm. maybe even Kiwani being in that 4A potential. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, they've played a bigger schedule, but let's look at overall records of the teams they've played. Mm-hmm. You have 1-5, 3-3, and Two and four, three and three, zero oh and five. That was the Riverdale. So that was a forfeit. Mm-hmm. One and five, Bureau Valley, and their last two games against Hall and Mendota, who are both three and three. So nobody over five hundred except mm-hmm. for Princeton in this coming week. Mm-hmm. So I just, I do think they've been tested because I think they've played a bigger schedule than a lot of one A schools, but I don't know that the quality's quite there. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's really tough to gauge where they're at going into the 1A playoffs. Yeah, um, you make a great point. I hadn't really thought of that. Um, I'm also not too concerned about it. Um, you, you know, we'll see really how the game shakes out against Princeton, as it'll obviously be uh, the, the best team that they've played, obviously. Um, certainly one of the bigger ones with the exception of Kiwani. But um, uh, again, I, I, you make a great point. I don't buy into it just as much. Okay. Um, because I, I don't remember who they lost to in the playoffs last year, but I feel like they won their first round, maybe even their second round. They game, did right? win their first round game, I think. And then they may have lost to, um, I can't remember if they, did they play yeah, versus either, Lexington? Yeah. Yeah. Either way. I, I don't, I don't think it, it matters all that much. They're still winning. They're still playing really well. You know, that offense averages, you know, 31 points a game, whatever that math works out to. So, um, you know, they're clicking. I think they'll be fine. So um, I'm not buying what you're selling here, Greg. <laughs> All right. All right. I just, I had to point not it out. Bruins, I, no I, way. I had to point it out because I noticed it. It's and a good Mitch, point. It, it doesn't fall on deaf ears, but again, I'm not, yeah. I'm not buying it. And Mitch, it doesn't, uh, there's no need for an edit there. Cause I was right. They won their first round game over okay. Hope Academy. They lost it round two to Ridgeview Lexington, a good yeah. program, a really oh, yeah. good team a year ago that went to the semifinals and they're back again this year playing really well. So mm-hmm. yeah, they lost to him in the second round. Um, and the other game we had last week on Saturday, Erie Prophetstown got the 19 to six win over Harvard. 
Mitch, this was a cool week for some of our non-conference games because we saw a lot of our teams from our area get the win in non-conference games, this mm-hmm. one included. And I love that because I think we take pride in thinking like our area plays really good football and right. teams can come in from around the state. And I feel like a lot of our teams are going to hold their own and get the wins. And they did. They proved it. And this is one of them. Erie Provincetown getting the win over Harvard is great. I think regardless of what the school, what the um, record is, I think it's great. Yeah. It's great. yeah. Now, see, now, you know, whatever that that <laughs> saying is, the shoe's on the other foot here. Okay. You're just dogging on the Bruins. And then you're given eerie props for beating an 0-6 team by 13. Were they 0-6? So uh, I didn't they're know They're 0-6. Yeah. So, again, there, there are <laughs> two sides to every coin. So, uh, that's immediate karma for your argument. Uh, but Harvard enrollment 747. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's, a cool. big, it's a big school. All right. Uh, here we okay. go. Here. All right. Let's... Okay. Now, now, looking at them, though um, – that was a big win for them, right? Because yeah, they huge. a game against BV that they can win, gets them to four. Mama throws with the way they're playing, I, I don't know. And then it could come down to week nine against Morrison to see if Erie gets in again this year. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. They they do. That's an interesting slate for them. Yeah, as well. Well, let's look ahead. Um, you know, you kind of preface it a little bit with uh, Erie Prophetstown. Kiwani is at Mendota. Peru St. Bede, the big one, at Princeton. Newman is at Spring Valley Hall. Orion at Morrison, Riverdale and uh, Monmouth Roseville would have been this week. So River- Monmouth Roseville gets the win. Rock Ridge at Sherrard and Bureau Valley at um, Erie Prophetstown. So mm-hmm. Mitch, you know, Orion and Morrison is an interesting one. I think, um, you also have, at, oh, go ahead. Looking at them, they're all interesting. They yeah, all you're right. Implica- yep. They all have implications. They all have teams that are, or, or not they're all three and three, but you have a couple matches of, of three and three teams. Couple matchups of four and two teams. Obviously, you've got the two unbeaten. So I think they're. I think this week we we're kind of talking about that in the Western Big Six that you'll see some shuffling. I think this week is going to do that a little bit in the Three Rivers because there's so many things, uh, or, or so many teams that are kind of right in that middle, and they're just going to fluctuate a little bit. Some teams are going to be a little bit closer to that, either their fourth or fifth win. Some teams are really going to have to rely on those final two weeks to get in. Yeah, yeah. This is an interesting slate in the Three Rivers, and I think. Um, Again, you know, the farther we get into it, more and more is decided every week. But it's fun to look at what's here and what's possible and who needs to get what wins. Uh, Before we move along, I did want to give a shout out to um, Sherrard. They scored 35 against Mendota last week after the win they had against Morrison, the close win. So putting up points again against the uh, Mendota defense has struggled a little bit. But I think when you're Mm -hmm. looking for positives for a a Sherrard program, you know, that's certainly one of them that they're, they're putting up points. So they're starting to get a little more comfortable, get a little more experience. And I did confirm that the, the guy jumping up and down and pumping his fist on the sideline at Morrison was athletic director, Mike Applegate. So he was in, he was friends with my cousin in college and they, they, I was in the wedding with him. So I saw my cousin over the weekend and we texted him and we got the confirmation that was that was yeah. him jumping around. I knew it was, but I you know wanted to make sure. And uh, yep. so yeah, he said he hasn't jumped that high or moved that much since college basketball. So yeah, and, and uh, that was very uh, warranted. You know, um, Sherrard, a team that went zero nine last year, yeah, playing better, playing better this year. Um, we've seen that a lot from teams in the track, um, uh, and it's certainly the the record for Sherrard. They would like to improve on that, but but again, you're kind of laying the foundation, right? So. Yep. Um, I, they're, they're certainly playing a lot better than they did last year. So yeah, a good, a good effort against a good Mendota team. Um, you know, tough slate left rock Ridge Orion and Ottawa Marquette. So see if they can squeak one out there. Um, but regardless, they're, they're playing a lot better and, and I expect them to be better next year too. Yep. Totally agree. All right, let's jump into the Lincoln trail conference. The big one in the LTC. Well, there's a couple big ones, I suppose, but the one that kind of shook up the top of the conference, Anawan Weathersfield gets the 27-19 win over Knoxville. Knoxville had a chance in this one in the end, but a pass was incomplete. So AW remains unbeaten in the Lincoln Trail Conference. They're sitting at five and one. Mitch, I, I got to admit, I don't know if maybe, maybe Anawan Weathersfield kind of slipped on me a little bit because I saw him struggle against Marquette. And so yeah. going into this one against Knoxville, I knew they were a good team, but I knew that Knoxville had the big win over Mercer County. 
and that Knoxville, they, they stumbled against Dupac, but I still thought they were going to bounce back and play tough in this one. They did play tough, but I thought they'd come away with the win. Credit to Anwan Weathersfield. I, I knew the talent was there, and I just, I don't know. Maybe I didn't hype it up enough in, the, in, in last week's episode leading into this one. Yeah, at the beginning of the year, I, I think there was just so much hype with Knoxville and Mercer County, in which there still is. Yep. Um, maybe Weathersfield was my third, you know, best team that I thought how this would shake out. Um, but again, Greg, I'm, I'm going to throw this back to you. Look at who they've played so far. One in five United, one in five West Hancock, two in four Princeville, one in five A-Town. So you're they've right. Got a, they've got a big slate coming up. So again, I didn't think that was indicative of, of Bruce St. Beat's success. I don't think it is here either. So, um, but again, we'll see what they're made of because three really tough games for them uh, to close out the year and be in a good position. It could come down to that week nine against Mercer County uh, to see who wins the LCC this year. Yeah, they do. Anawan Weathersfield has a really interesting slate left, like you just mentioned. Um, I stayed local this week and shot in the Quad Cities. But man, Mitch, I missed an opportunity. It was Anawan Weathersfield in Knoxville playing for the top of the LTC standings. And yeah. it was in Anawan, my, like my favorite football field. And I wasn't there. I'm jealous. Camille was there. And it's, it's awesome. I love a game in Anawan. But you, you don't miss trying to upload your highlights from a gas station. <laughs> that's the only place that had uh, that was only that was that was still open at that hour, I guess. I did see I did see that, and that's it. it takes me back. I've been there. I've done that. You know. So yeah. if yeah. We, if we would have known that, she would have been on the instant reacts. No question. I, we should have. Yeah, I know. She would have. Had been. we seen it? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, credit to Anawan Weathersfield. Like we referenced, Stark County, Rova, and Mercer County left. Tough slate, but this team is talented and really kind of proved it in, not in this game against Knoxville. See what they can do the rest of the way. Speaking of teams playing well, one of those kind of X-Factor games in the Lincoln Trail, Rova Williamsfield gets the 34-13 to 13 win over Stark County. So that brings Rova Williamsfield one step closer. They're now sitting at 4-2. and two. Riley Danner, 20-25, for 25, 203 yards, two touchdowns, and one rushing touchdown. Mitch, that's some efficient passing. 20 for 25 for over 200. Well, he's just reminding us every week that he should have been on the, the top four. For, I, uh, yeah, he's playing with a chip year, on so. his shoulder now. We gave yeah, it to so him. Now, now he's really setting himself up for player of the year awards uh, at the end of the year. So I uh, love yeah, it. The whole, yeah. yeah, the whole the whole lineup of, of Robo played well. Um, you know, Stark County was four and one. They were both. No, Stark County was four and one going into the game. Um, yep. And so now they're both four and two. So. Yeah, uh, again, um, a game that I I don't know that I expected Rova to win, but not surprised that they won. Yep. Um, so, yeah, uh, again, a, a really tough team. Great rebound season from last year um, and still really young, if I remember correctly. I think this is a really junior-dominated roster. So, um, great to see Rova continue to play well. I think we'll be talking about them for the rest of the season, um, not quite sure what they have left off the top of my head. So Rova Williams Field, let me pick it up for from you there, Mitch. Gotcha. Rova Williams Field has Monmouth United okay. this week. They then they have Anawan Weathersfield followed by Knoxville. Okay. So I think that all important fifth win may easily most easily if you're going to get the win, the, the, right. the best chance you have at it is this week against United. Because if, yeah. you, if you don't get it here, then you're really kind of up against it. Not saying it's impossible, obviously, but it would be a tougher slate moving forward. So they yeah, have I the think, game. What's that? I think we talked about it on the Instant Reacts, too, that um, if, if they get that fifth win, and certainly if they get their sixth, uh, this would be a team in, in that loaded 1A bracket. I believe they would be a 1A playoff team. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of names to mention. Uh, Bertelshofer, 122 yards, rushing and a touchdown. Uh, Godsell had 119 total yards, a touchdown and an interception. So, you know, continually the names that we've heard from them, that this is right. a, a good team that we thought, you know, would be good this year. And they've been proving it. Speaking of teams we, we thought would be good. Mercer County continues to prove it. They get the 51 to 14 win over Princeville. This one tied 14, 14 at half, but Mercer County comes away. No problem winning this one. They're now sitting at five and one. So, yeah, this is quite the gauntlet for Mercer County, an unbeaten 3A team in Prairie Central, and then Stark County and Weathersfield. So you're talking about a really, really 
three playoff teams probably if Stark County can get a win. Three playoff teams to finalize your season going into the playoffs. Not going to be easy. Overall, Mitch, you know, we've been talking about teams, you know, kind of their, their resume going in. Look at Mercer County. They have a win over Farmington in week one, a four and two team. They beat or they lost to Knoxville, who is four and two, but then they've also beaten Roval Williamsfield, who's sitting at four and two. And mm-hmm. they still have three games left against teams over 500. So mm-hmm. win or lose, obviously they're going to be a playoff team, I believe, at five wins. But that's a really tough, you know, your opponent's wins right now. Mercer County's already sitting at 31. So mm-hmm. that's a good resume going into the playoffs. And, and again, I think this week's seven game against Prairie Central. Prairie Central, really talented, high-power offense. They average just about 50 a game. Um, and, and Mercer County is just below that. So a, a good battle test here, something that probably you want to get on your resume. Again, doesn't affect them for the conference. Um, might affect them for a playoff standing. But getting that experience against a bigger team will only help you in those playoffs. Yep. Well, let's look at uh, Havana. Got the crossover win against A-Town, 47-20. to And credit to Monmouth United. They get the big win, 62 to nothing over yeah. Walther Christian. That's their first win of the year. So credit to Coach David Milroy and those players at the Red Storm. They get the win. So they get, it, get into the win column. That's got to feel good. It was a, a game on a Saturday afternoon out there, uh, you know, out there in rural Monmouth. So mm-hmm. credit to the Red Storm getting in the right, in the right uh, track here. Yeah, yeah, tough season for for United. Obviously, a playoff team last year. Um, you know, great win here. They've got Rova left. They've got Rushville, and then A Town. So, I could see two wins there. I think they they'll probably probably get that win over A Town, maybe even over Rushville. So, um, again, a tough season. Let's hope that they can close it out strong. Yep. Let's look ahead at the upcoming matchups. A lot of these we've already kind of referenced. Stark County at Anawan Weathersfield, Princeville taking on A-Town, Rova Williamsfield against United, Knoxville against Illini West, and Prairie Central at Mercer County. So mm-hmm. it's good if you're Mercer County. I think you got to love having that game at home. Mm-hmm. Having that game at George Pratt Memorial Field is, a, is an advantage for the Golden Eagles. Illini West and Knoxville is an interesting game as well. Illini West sitting at 3-3. Three and three, but that their crossover in the Prairie land, this would be a big win for Knoxville, I think as well to get that fifth win. Yeah. Um, I think my, my eyes are set on that Stark County and on Weatherfield game. Yeah. Um, can Stark County bounce back? Can they get that fifth win? Um, or can anyone Weathersfield take that another, you know, uh, another step up that ladder and be in a good position to win the LTC this year. Yep. Well, let's move into the Northwest Upstate Illini Conference. We talked a little bit about it when we were joined by Kyle Campmeyer on Friday night for the Instant Reacts. Again, go back and check that out. He has a ton of great information from last week's epi- or from last week's action in the NUIC. We also kind of talked ahead a little bit about what's coming up in the NUIC. And we talked a lot about eight-man football, which we'll get to in a second here. But mm-hmm. Kyle always has great insights. Friday night, he saw... I mean, a great game if you're a fan of the NUIC. Certainly if you're a fan of Lena Winslow, they get the win over Woodstock Marion, 54-7. to Mitch, mm-hmm. this was a route from the very yep. beginning. And yep. that that is impressive for a 1A school like Lena Winslow to just take it to a team like Woodstock Marion. It's just, that's an impressive win any way you look at it. Yeah, um, I made I made the joke that I we thought that you know this game might be interesting and that we were fools for thinking that because it was just a typical Lena Winslow game, right? Three hundred eighty-seven yards rushing, zero passing yards. So um, <laughs> I know anytime you can win by forty-seven and not, I, I don't know if they attempted any passes, but they, uh, they attempted they one. Okay, one pass. That sounds like yeah, that's a Lena Winslow game if I've ever heard one. Yeah. Um, well, how about let's talk a little bit about the on the defensive side yeah. of the ball. Right. Um, Marion finishes the game with an, I'm, I'm guessing this is net, but maybe with sacks and such, but <laughs> yes. negative 19 rushing yards. So yes, yeah, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna do well when, uh, when you do uh, those things and have a, a plus 400 advantage in your rushing yards. So yeah, great one for Lena as always. 
Yeah, uh, back to the offensive side of the ball. It's the names we've talked about all year. Uh, Lobdell, Dunker, Zeal, all go over 100 yards. Lobdell had three touchdowns. The others had two apiece. I mean, th- this game was just touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Right. End of quarter, touchdown, 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 halftime. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a route. And it I just really impressive all the way around when you start considering, you know, Woodstock Marion's of enrollment of 557. So, I mean, just a, a really, you know, a big school coming in here. Great win. I feel like Lena's kind of almost like starting to get in a rhythm, which is weird to say, but it felt like it, it's taken a couple of games, a couple of weeks for, um, for Lobdell to really get going in that offense. It seems yeah. like the past maybe two or three weeks, we talk about him more than we did the first three weeks. So um, again, I don't know if it was just, you know, getting acclimated to the offense or if they just had a plan or if they just, they blow out everybody, whatever it is. I feel like, you know, those, those three guys now are in such a good rhythm that they're going to be so hard to beat. So cool to see uh, again from the Panthers. Yeah. A couple things, you know, adding on to that, I just think that whether it's coaching or just the way that they get their players prepared, they're so deep year in and year out that they don't usually, usually rely on one back or even two. It's you've seen that depth every year, even when they had somebody as talented as Mari Roby, they still, relied on that depth because he was, you know, not a hundred percent to start last year. But in this case, I just think they've, they've had the depth and they don't need to lean on one guy. They don't need to get one guy banged up. Yeah. Uh, let me, let me put you on the spot here. Yeah. Who do you think has scored more points this year? Lena Winslow or Princeton? Oh man, that's a great question. It's, it's close. Um, I'll say Lena Winslow because they just put up 54 this week. Lena Winslow has scored, I think it's 13 more points. They scored 332 points this year. Princeton has 319. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, you, you couldn't go wrong with it. You're, either one of your guesses would have been, you know, fair because um, they're both such good offenses. I'm looking at the defenses really quick. Um, Lena holds that pretty significantly. Only 69 points allowed. I think Princeton's at 90. So, okay. Um, yeah, so Lena, again, uh, putting up really great numbers and, and holding teams to very low numbers, as we just spoke to. Last last thing about Lena Winslow, and then we'll, we'll move along, is I just think it's so impressive from a coaching standpoint that there's no secret what they're going to try to do, right? They're mm-hmm. going to run the ball. That's what they do. That's what's on their game film. That's yep. what they do best. So it's almost like a team knows that you're planning to be one dimensional and they still can't stop you. They cannot find a way to stop you at any point. That's just really well coached players and players that are ready to make the play. And they know the game plan so well. Yeah. It reminds me of those old school Newman teams, right? Like they didn't pass. You you knew what they were going to do and you couldn't stop them. And and they won however many state titles and and Lena Winslow's the same thing. So credit to the coaching staff, credit to the kids for buying in, um, you know, probably at a young age, right? Um, getting used to the system and, and again, just putting in the work because they have shown, uh, you know, the benefits of doing that for the last however many years. So uh, cool to see that that continues and looking forward to uh, the rest of the year. And hopefully we're talking about them on Thanksgiving again. Yeah, there was a fun ride last, uh, you know, last November for me anyway, like getting to kind of cover that team a little yeah. bit. That was that was a lot of fun. So just, yep, impressive. And then the work ethic that they put in, the work ethic they have is second to none. Uh, from coaching on down to the players that, that they you know that they coach up, so that's what I've always been impressed with. Still, kind of like last year's jerseys a little better. Just, just <laughs> okay. Just put that's... it out there. Just, I still, I, I, I complain about them because it had the shadow weird numbers, but I still, I miss them a little bit. I miss them. <laughs> yeah, yep. I would. Uh, I think I might have to agree a little bit. But all right, let's get into the rest of the uh, results from last week. Dupec. Gets the win 48 to 20 over Dakota. Forreston gets the big win 60 to 6 over West Carroll. Fulton gets a big win 44 to 6 over Stockton. And Galena gets the win 28 to 13 over Eastland Pearl City. So, Mitch, that's where things get really interesting. Galena mm-hmm. at Dakota in week yeah. seven now. Yeah. And you got two teams. Sitting both at, well, let's see, Galena's three and three. Yeah, yeah both three teams three. sitting at three mm-hmm. and three. So they meet up this week. 
That's the game that Kyle Kampmeyer talked about getting to, to for covering for NUICfootball.com because, yeah, it doesn't have the, uh, you know, the big name marquee game like Dupec and Lena Winslow, but this is almost a playoff game because if you don't win it, you're out. So this is a yeah, play-in game for the playoffs. Right. It's a must win for both teams because they, they play each other. They both play West Carroll, so they'll both get at least four wins. So the, fi- the the other remaining game is Dakota would have to play Fulton at the end of the year, and Galena has to play Dupec in week eight. So, yes, this this game, Dakota um, home against Galena, is a must-win for either team's playoff hopes. Yeah, that's a huge matchup. Let's get down the rest of the way here. Stockton plays a non-conference game against Fieldcrest. West Carroll at Eastland Pearl City. The big one, the other big one, uh, Dupec and, and Lena Winslow. And then the other, other big one, as I keep going down the list, yeah. Fulton at Forreston. Yeah, big one. Talk, Mitch, talk me through Dupec, Lena Winslow. What do you see in that one? Um, it's a, it, it's a toss-up, right? I, I mean, as much as we just talked up Lena Winslow, um, that game was so good last year with Dupec, and, and certainly it it you know ended up being the game that Dupec needed to win the conference title. Um, is there revenge on the mind of, of Lena? Are they not concerned with that? Hard to say. Um, but looking forward to seeing again. Can can Lena come up big against a bigger team than them, as, as they did against Marion? Um, and just continue to play the way that they have. Dupec's probably the toughest defense they've played all year. Uh, Fulton's up there, certainly. Yep. Um, but, yeah, th- th- this, this is a huge game for implications of the conference yet again this year. Um, if Dupec were to win, they would both be 6-1. and one. Dupec would hold that tiebreaker. Uh, I mean, there's, there's still a lot, of, a lot of games left, right? Even though there's three, there, there's still a lot. Yeah, um, with with Lena having to play Forreston still, um, Dupec's got a little bit of an easier ride after this week. So, yeah, um, must win for Dupec, I would say, if they want to repeat as conference champs. Yep, yeah, that seems that seems about right. Um, looking at the other game here, Fulton at Forreston, two teams at four and two. So I think while they may not be in the race for the conference crown. I think this game certainly goes a long way in seeding mm-hmm. in the 1A playoffs. I think that that mm-hmm. that northern half of the bracket, you know, you're going to want to be one of those teams with the, you know, seven wins rather than the five or, you know, certainly five wins, maybe six wins. So I think that's going to go a long way in where you end up and what matchups you have early. And more importantly, maybe what matchups you have in the second round where these teams are going to start, we're going to start playing each other and beating each other up in the northern half of the bracket. It happens every year. Right. Um, if Forrest has got Fulton and Lena Winslow left this year, um, in, in addition to GCMS. So on in a road game, I mean, so traveling right. across the state, essentially. So, right. So r- really, really tough, tough slate here for Forrest. And so not going to say that it's a must win uh, for Forrest, but uh, it, it'll certainly help, right? <laughs> it'll certainly help their, yep. their causes to, you don't you don't want to keep relying on either a week eight or a week nine matchup to get your fifth win. So, yep. um, but that's true for for Fulton as well. So, so Fulton has Forreston, like we just talked about, Eastland, Pearl City, and Dakota. So yep. a little bit easier slate, yeah, right? And I will say, Mitch, I was thinking about it this week. Of all the teams in our area, is Fulton the best two loss team? Their resume is impressive. Their two losses are to a Muskegon Catholic team, which that says IHSA says the record is three and two, but I believe they're a bigger school. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the kind of competition they play outside. I mean, outside of Fulton, but I think that that was a seven, six loss on a rainy Saturday afternoon when they had a chance to win it. And their other mm-hmm. loss is to Lena Winslow. So they've, they, their big win has been over Dupec. So I think they have a good resume here. Yeah. Um, you could make argument for some of the teams in the Western Big Six. Obviously, those are bigger schools. 
Yeah, I mean, you got to kind of, you know, it's apples to oranges a little bit, but you kind of got to compare them at their own level. But Right. Um, Checking through the track. You're probably right based on who that they've played. Um, That that out-of-conference game, you know, not a lot of teams have that sort of experience. Um, So, yeah, I I think you're you're right on track there. Um, Double-checking just the Lincoln Trail. You could maybe make that argument for Knoxville, maybe. Um, Yep. So, but yeah, you're, you're, you're on the right track there. A, a really good, really good Fulton team. So um, yeah, I, I can't, I can't uh, wait to see how this game with Horson unfolds. And that, yeah. And, you know, before we wrap this one up, don't, don't ever sleep on Forreston. You know, they're, right. they're such a good program. And we talked about the work ethic of Lena Winslow. Forreston's right there too. I mean, the, mm-hmm. they put in the work and they put in the effort. And you can't ever overlook them. So right. that becomes, yep. you know, a really critical game for them and a really, really fun matchup. All right, Mitch, we ready to jump into eight-man football before we wrap up the episode here? Yeah. Let's go through some eight-man scores. Amboy gets the win 26-12 to over Hiawatha. Mitch, this was an interesting game. A good win for yeah, Amboy. Great win. great win for Amboy because uh, Kirkland Hiawatha had been four and oh on the season they lost to polo and now they get um you know they fall to amboy so the northwest upstate alina looking really good against a kirkwood hiawatha team that had been undefeated so a good win there uh i just mentioned polo had gotten the win they get another win they this time over bushnell prairie city they win 48 to 6 prairie central gets the win 49 to 14 over galva West Central gets the win 58 to 20 over Aquin. And Mitch, we've been seeing, we talked a little bit about it in the Instant Reacts podcast. And then mm-hmm. we saw a little bit of banter on Twitter. I think a lot of people in, you know, Bigsville down in the West Central area, they're starting to look around and say, what do we got to do here to get up, you know, to be the top ranked team or at least be up in the top three of eight man football? Because right. they're sitting at six and zero. Oh, and they look really impressive. Mitch, they've scored 364 points on the season, only giving up 128. Their resume is 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 impressive from the scores. Right. But I think maybe their biggest tests are coming in the next few weeks. Do they play Decatur? They do not play Decatur, okay. but this coming week they play Milledgeville. And I think okay. so that's maybe one of their biggest tests. In mm-hmm. week nine, they play Amboy. Okay. Yeah, um, certainly no disrespect to the Heat. Great, great season as they they always have. Um, I, I anticipate them to make a, quite a run in the playoffs. It's just going to be, um, as we talked about with 1A, eight-man playoffs are going to be a lot of fun, right? You're going to see matchups every single round that are toss-ups. So um, got to continue to play well because you might see some of these teams again. Um and, and like I said, you're going to see really, really good action every week. So, uh, West Central, yeah, certainly one of the best teams in eight in eight man. There's no question about it. So, no, no disrespect from from us, hopefully, uh, to everyone there in Bigsville. So, I think the the funny thing is about eight man football is that we talk so much about the Northwest Upstate Illini, or we have the last few years because the best teams in eight man have come from that from that conference from this mm-hmm. area. But I think this year. I mean, West Central is still our area, but they're on the other side. They're in the Lincoln Trail kind of portion of it. But when you look through, I think the best teams in eight-man may not necessarily be in the in the NUIC. Now, that said, Amboy and Milledgeville still have a lot that they can prove. They can certainly prove me wrong in that statement, and I, I have no doubt they can do it. I just think that what we've seen at this point, you got to look at West Central and Milledgeville as a, as a game that will go a long way in deciding – who goes up to the top of the rankings. And at the end of the day, you know, the rankings don't matter. It just matters playoff pairings and who wins those playoff games. And that, that eight man playoff is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I think you're just, you're seeing a lot, a, a lot more teams now that are either in their first year or second year here in eight man and just really starting to, to play better. I uh, look at Ridgewood, right. In yep. that first year, I, I think they're going to be a really good playoff contender. Amboy's only in their second year, right? Correct. So yeah, um, it, it just makes this whole field a lot better. So good to see we're, we're, we're obviously advocates of eight-man ball here. Um, and, and yeah, this this could be a year that, that the NUIC uh, gets dethroned. Um, but we, we 
can't say that it will happen until it does. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to those matchups. So before we get, before we finish up with uh, West central, we do got to give shout out Caden Drosy, one of our candidates for potential player of the year in eight man football. He had 14 carries 315 yards and six touchdowns, Mitch <laughs> putting up big time numbers. He's making a big case for him for himself in that player of the year. Uh, also, Maybe defense doesn't get talked enough about an eight-man football. How about uh, Meldrum? We didn't have a first name. Just P. Meldrum had 17 tackles in this one. So that's getting a lot of work done on the defensive side of the ball. So credit to the Heat. That's a great win for them. Let's go through the rest of the scores here. River Ridge gets the 50-44 to win over Alden Hebron. Orangeville gets their first win of the year, 76 to 38 over Rockford Christian Life. So credit and congrats to the Broncos. They get the win. They get in the win column there. Let's move ahead to action coming this week. Amboy at Bushnell Prairie City. Aquin at Rockford Christian Life. River Ridge at Polo. That's an interesting game there. The yep. really interesting one for me, West Central at Milledgeville. You have Williams Bay, Wisconsin traveling to Ridgewood. I hope they enjoy the Cambridge Bowl. It's, it's a beautiful place to catch a game. And Galva is at Ashland, Ashton Franklin Center. So, Mitch, quickly looking ahead, you know, like I said, I kind of feel like I'm, you know, going to get chastised by the, you know, local teams when I ask if maybe the best eight man teams come from Decatur or from Milford Cisna Park. But you look at Amboy has Bushnell Prairie City, Aquin, and then a big test against West Central. Mm-hmm. whereas Milledgeville has West Central this week. So we're going to find out a lot in these next few weeks, kind of where West Central stands compared to the NUIC. And that's great. That's what I want to know going into the playoffs. That'll really help us tell the story. Another interesting matchup in eight-man is River Ridge 3-3 three and three going up against Polo at 4-2. and yep. two. So yep. is that a potential game where the winner's in and the loser is not in? I, you know, it's it's one of those games that it seems like an important game on both teams' schedule. Is it is it still only six teams get in? Yes, correct. Okay, I, I you know we, we talk a lot about um, eight man being included as a recognized uh, class for IHSA. I'm wondering now as more teams get into this, if we'll see that happen first, or if we'll see playoff expansion happen first. Um, obviously, you'd have to get to the 32. Um, I don't know that we're there quite yet. You could do it in another way and have buys and such, but um, yeah, I, I wonder, I wonder what would happen first if they have to expand that playoff because there's so many teams or if the IHSA starts to recognize it. Yeah. I'm hoping that sooner than sooner than later, the IHSA recognizes eight man football, but going back to our discussion with Katie Hassan to start the season, mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot of different questions brought up about, you know, do you allow anybody to play eight man football, even if their enrollment is, you know, bigger than what we'd expect normally? Cause I think certainly there's some teams that say we struggle, you know, week in and week out at 11 man, but man, we could drop down to eight man, even if we have 500 kids in our school and play right. eight man. So there's a question there. Um, especially when you start looking at teams from the Chicagoland area, you know, Chicago schools that really struggle at 11 man, Right. Not because of enrollment, but just because of participation numbers. Right. So there's that question. But then there's also the question of what do you do with their playoff structure? And what I find interesting is, do you add a ninth class that becomes that eight-man division? Or do you fold in eight-man and there's still eight classes and everything else kind of shrinks? You know, so right. you go down to one through seven A plus eight-man football. I. Right. It's an interesting, I'm not sure which way they'll end up going, but um, yeah, a lot of interesting discussions. Mitch, before right. we wrap up, did you see the renderings for the new Ryan field in Evanston? Yeah. Um, and it seemed like it was a packed house and I don't think that's real realistic. Well, <laughs> well it is smaller. They're making it like 12,000 seats smaller than what, uh, yeah, what it will nor- what it normally seats I- now. But Mitch, my reason to bring it up is, Hey, if they put field turf in there, is that a potential home for yeah. the state championships down the road? Um, I'll, I'll say this. I've been to Ryan field. It is not a good place to watch a game. 
Um, well, no, I'm saying they're gonna. It's gonna be completely renovated. Right. Well, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> um, that it's certainly in need of a renovation. Um, if, yes. if you've never, if you've never seen it, it's. I don't know how old it is, but it's old enough that they have to bring in the lights for night games. They they literally roll them in for Musco lighting. Yeah. Um, I got trapped in the underground, not underground, but under the uh, stands tunnels where the concessions are i think yeah. I, I went there for Notre Dame northwestern i think i i went to either with the concessions or i was using the bathroom i left in pregame and i didn't get back to my seat until midway through the first quarter because it was just like cans of like a can of sardines of people it was it had to have been a fire code issue well, it sounds like that's like notre dame fans fault because i mean i've been to i've been to games against illinois and illinois state and it was, I didn't have that same issue with fan right. out of control. So yeah, uh, it, historic place, not a good place for a big game. So uh, yeah. Uh, I, but I'm not sure it's historic because they've had a lot of wins there. I love, I love Northwestern football, but yeah, I, it's not, you know. but yeah. <laughs> anyway, the renderings look cool. If anybody hasn't seen them, go out and check them out. It's going to be a, the reason I brought it up is obviously location being in Evanston, um, yeah. Chicagoland area. So that would cater a little bit more to the bigger schools, but it's going to be a little bit smaller than maybe some of the other college venues. And I think that's a good thing in this case because it would fill in and it would feel like a bigger atmosphere, which is kind of what yeah. you miss out on with Illinois, I think. Yeah. Well, you never know. Soldier Field might be available when the Bears move to, you know, Arlington Heights. So that's that's true. Now, that would <laughs> seem cavernous, but at least it would be in an NFL well, facility. You know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mitch. We'll do it all again next week. To thank you to everyone who listens. Uh, go back and listen to the Instant Reacts if you haven't listened to that yet. We uh, talk about all this and, and more from Friday night. And uh, Mitch, by the time we get to next week, we'll still we'll have a little more clarity, but there may be some conference championships on the line next week. So, yeah, uh, there's we, we, there's 46 teams that have spots now. Um, yep. I would venture to guess we'll be in the 50s for sure maybe even the 60s by the end of week seven so um yeah you know and one thing that we didn't we didn't talk about all that much and i did i didn't go through all the classes there's a lot of big matchups left not just in terms of conferences but big games um and teams that are either undefeated that are playing one another teams that are five and one um so uh, again you know you see like saint Teresa, they still have to play top ranked uh, Shelbyville and Tuscola, who are both in one A, they're both smaller schools, but yeah, that's going to be you know reciprocated on, on both ends. But Central A and M still has to play Shelbyville. Shelbyville six and zero and has three really tough games uh, to go. So um, Ridgeview Lexington, a, a top one A school, still has to play three A Eureka. So even losing that game um, is not a discredit to them, but it will affect where they stand in the playoffs. So a lot still to shake out here with three weeks left. Well, a lot to shake out, and we will be talking about it every step of the way. Mitch, we will see you and talk to you next week. Sounds good. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along, and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, viewfromwestpod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.